A wonderful good morning to all of you. Today we are celebrating Mother's Day. And of course, uh, later on, we will do something specific for the mothers. Uh, but I was inspired by the, uh, the Mother's Day uh, subject uh, to speak this morning about uh, something that really, I believe, is very crucial for all of us. I want to talk about weak vessels reserved for great glory. Weak vessels reserved for great glory. Let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. The Bible reads here, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible reads, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, very powerful sign, okay? That is uh, written 700 years before Jesus came by the prophet Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And Luke chapter 1 verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Praise God. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your wonderful presence in, this, in our midst. Thank you, Lord, that where we are meeting as your children, you will never be absent. You will always be there. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent your Holy Spirit to be in our midst, that you yourself, Lord, will be able to touch our hearts and lives in a very special way. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that may the words that has come forth this morning and that will be shared during this session, Lord, will this word that this word will be able to touch our lives and encourage us and give us uh, an outlook for our future, for our future in you, Lord. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Weak vessels reserved for great glory. It's very interesting when we look at Scripture that God is not dependent on human ability or human power. Of course, you know, uh, we all have, uh, you know, had experiences where we're trying to show off of what we can do. But we must understand that God is not showing off. He doesn't need to show off. In fact, if he wanted to show off, he could have done it. And, you know, in creation, actually, he shows us what he can do. 
So God is not dependent on what we are able to accomplish or do because he is the God Almighty. He has been before us and he will be after us. He was uh, around before uh, any weapon was made and he will be around when all the weapons are going to be put on a, on a garbage bin or on a garbage ship. So God created all things, even the seemingly weak things. The value of a thing is not in how uh, beautiful it may be packaged. I'm sure you have all uh, gone to the shop and bought some things, and sometimes the packaging is absolutely magnificent, you know, looks so beautiful, so good. But then the packaging is worth nothing, okay? Uh, I hope you're not uh, one of those people who are keeping the packaging <laughs> because the packaging is of no value, okay? Uh, what is valuable is the content. And it's very important that we understand that even when things don't look so good, you know, I mean, uh, I remember there was a discussion some time ago uh, talking about Zambian goods in the shops, that they are not packaged and that's not packaged uh, beautiful or properly. That's why Zambian goods are not sold well compared to the imported things. I think we need to really focus more on the value, the real things than the superficial things, the, the packaging. So the value is not in the packaging. The value is in the content. Okay, therefore God often uses what looks to be weak or what looks to be substandard. But in reality for God, it doesn't make a difference because he uses all things for his own glory. And sometimes it is better for him to use the things that don't look to be too powerful because when he uses people who have already got power on their own, then people cannot see that this is actually uh, the work of God and not the work of man. So God has no problem to use what looks to be weak. You know, God does not make any mistakes. Uh, just consider Jesus who came into this world with great humility. He didn't come with pomp and fanfare. He didn't come with, uh, you know, a crowning ceremony. Uh, he didn't come making a big, deep impression on mankind when he was born. In fact, uh, almost nobody took notice of except the people who God specially invited to be present on that very moment. And these were some people who came from the East, you know, not people from Israel, not people who were close by, but people who came from the East, they had a special invitation to come to see the newborn king. And not only did they come and see the newborn king, actually they came to resource him. You know, we all have read the, the story of the, of the wise men from the East who came with uh, the different kind of gifts they brought to Jesus. And you know, those gifts were enabling uh, Joseph and Mary and of course Jesus to go to Egypt when God said to Joseph, it is time for you to leave Israel because Herod is after the kid's life. Okay? So they had no resources on their own, but God made sure that people who came from very far away were bringing the resources that were required on that particular moment for the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was still a baby, when he was still in the manger, 
there were people who came in order to bring the resources that were required. But otherwise, Jesus did not come with great pomp and glory. He came very humble. Again, the only people who were invited were the shepherds in the field. And the angels went to them and said, come and see what God has done. That was it. Otherwise, it went on unnoticed. Not even one newspaper did write about it. If there were te television or radio stations, not even one of them reported the birth of Jesus Christ. But he was born, praise God. And that made all the difference in our world. Whether people talked about it or not, that doesn't matter. But he was born. And those people who God wanted to be present, they were present. They were there. So God is very content with each and every one of us, no matter how weak we may be. You know, many times I've heard the excuse, you know, I don't have what it, what it takes. You know, I, I'm too weak. Let me tell you, you are the right candidate for God to use. Okay? Because God does not need anything that you think it takes. Okay? For being used by God. God uses us all in his own wonderful way. When we look around today, we see many people are showing off. I mean, we are living again in a time of war when people are showing off their weapons and they, sh they show uh, how, how big their weapons are, how many people they can kill. I mean, that's not greatness. That is utter weakness, but not weakness that people recognize. They think it's strength when in fact it is not. But then let us understand that God does everything according to his predetermined plan. And that's what they want to talk about today. You know, being Mother's Day, I have uh, decided that I will speak about four mothers. Okay? Don't worry, I'm not talking about you. Uh, but uh, it could encourage you. It could mean a lot to you when you hear what I'm going to say. Okay? God did choose the weak to shame the strong. That's what we have been reading in the book of 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. Let me take you to the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verse 15. And unfortunately, I can only read a short paragraph because otherwise my, my bulletin would not have had enough space. But I want to read that short paragraph from Genesis 17, 15, up to verse 19. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai, for now her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give her a son from her. You know, listen to this. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100? Anybody here with 100 years of age? Okay, praise God. 
Okay, Abraham was 100, okay? He thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. And you will name him Isaac. And he will confirm my covenant. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Okay, something strange is taking place here. Okay? Something out of the ordinary. Something impossible. Something that you cannot really... Uh, Wrap your, your mind around. You know, God is speaking to a 100-year-old man. And of course, 100-year-old men are not too many in this world. Okay? Because most people die before that. But this man, Abraham, was 100 years old. And he was married to a wife who was 90 years old. And not all these 90 years, she could never have a child. Okay? Of course, it was a very painful thing that uh, she could not bear. Because she was barren. She was unfruitful. And, of course, because of that situation, they thought maybe let's help the situation and, and find another lady so that she can bear on my behalf. But, of course, that backfired. It didn't work out. And God did, they said to, to Abraham, that is not the promise that I've given you. My promise is that you will have a son from your own wife, Sarah. And that's amazing. Okay? How can you expect a son to be born of a body that is totally out of season and that has never been able to bear a child in the 90 years prior, okay? So the question marks was there, were there. And that, that's why uh, Abraham was laughing to himself. You know, later on, when God promised again and, 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 and Sarah heard it, she also laughed in her tent. And God says, why are you laughing? Because there's nothing impossible to God. Amen? I mean, talk about a weak vessel. Here you have it. Okay, Sarah was a vessel that was not to be used, you know, in any way at all to, to have a, a child. Because she was, first of all, she was barren. Second, she was out of season. She could no longer have a child. She was out of the season of childbearing. So how would God give such an outrageous promise? But then, you know, God loves to do things that are not on the horizon of human beings. And God loves to do things even in the, through the weakness of our own ability. So uh, God is not hindered by what you cannot accomplish or what you cannot do. And I'm not saying that we should not do the best for us to be qualified uh, to, to rise in every area of life. And of course, you know, Sarah was a very wise woman. Sarah had learned a lot of things in her 90 years. Sarah was uh, on the side of her husband, day in and day out, giving him the strength and the comfort and the advice but then there was something beyond her ability, and that is that she could not bear a son, okay? She could not do anything about that. 
But again, such a situation cannot hinder God. And let me, let me tell you, you know, if you think you are not well-placed, not well-known, not in a position where you can be able to, you know, bear fruits, where, where anything good can come out of your life, let me tell you, you need to take God into account in your life, okay? Don't think that your human horizon is God's horizon. God's horizon is very, very, very different. And all of us, we need to come to that understanding that God will do what, you know, even human beings can never be able to accomplish. So out of that weak vessel, Sarah, came a son called Isaac, okay? Isaac means laughter, okay? Because she gave lots of, uh, he gave a lot of reasons to, to uh, Sarah to rejoice and to be happy. But of course, that was not the only thing. This was the son of promise. And God had promised him because he was to build a nation through Isaac. And not only a nation in the, in the, in the uh, natural, in flesh and blood, but of course also in the spiritual realm. Because we know that out of Isaac, not only came Israel, but they only, there also came Christ, you know, according to the flesh, uh, until finally Christ was in this world and was becoming our Savior and Lord. So Isaac was a miracle. Okay, because Isaac was an impossibility. Humanly speaking, this thing could not happen. Okay, this thing was impossible out of even, you know, a remote idea of, 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 of expectation. But God did it. Okay, and so, you know, today, even up to today, Israel is an impossibility. Okay, God brought Isaac out of a, you know, seemingly dead body. And uh, Israel has been strong, has been, you know, able to survive whatever onslaught of enemies there was through hundreds and thousands of years. So amazing how God is doing things. So God established a pattern that he can use that which is unusable, in human terms. And so I want to encourage you today, you know, whenever you think about Sarah, there is nothing impossible to God. If you think you have got some traits that were true in Sarah's life, well, then I want to tell you, just allow God to speak into your life. Just allow God to come through for you in God's almighty power. And things are going to happen you know, so you can't believe it. So Israel is a miracle. And it still stands in that her heritage of that miracle. You know, that Isaac got born of a mother 90 years old. So uh, this is one mother that we want to honor today. Okay, a mother who had nothing to give, who had nothing to expect, who, who couldn't really hope that tomorrow there will be, uh, you know, there will be children in their, in their homes. 
She had been around for all these years and nothing ever happened. Until God says, you will have a son. And yes, the son came at the appointed time. Now let me go to another mother, okay? And mothers, I want to encourage you today, okay? Remember, weak vessels are reserved for great glory. Amen. Let me read to you the scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 7. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 7. The Bible says this went on year after year. Okay, that was, you know, the life of Hannah who was married to Elkanah and she went to the house of God every year uh, but then she could not have a son. Okay, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once again, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness, in bitterness of, of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, Lord, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. Now, this was the life of Hannah. Hannah was married and her husband had another woman and the other woman had children, okay? But Hannah couldn't. And so she was always abused and provoked by her rival. And of course, it, it went to her heart. It, it really uh, was a burden. And so every year when they went to the temple, when they were praying, you know, she, she would come and she would hope that her situation would change. But it didn't change. So Hannah was in a tradition, in the tradition of Sarah. She was also barren. She could not bear children. But in her suffering, she decided to go where she knew she could find help. So she cried to God. And so there is this uh, prayer reported to us where she went into 
the temple of the Lord. There was Eli, the high priest. And he, he saw that this woman was there. And of course, he observed her. She, he saw that her, her lips were moving, but he couldn't hear anything. So eventually, he came to the conclusion, this woman must be drunk. And so when he went there, he, you know, he made his statement, you know, that she should leave the, 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 the alcohol besides. But Hannah said, I'm not drunk. But I'm in anguish. I'm in grief. You know, the interesting thing in Hannah's life is that she had a need. Okay. And many of us have needs. Okay. But then she also came to the conclusion that she wanted to give what, she, what the Lord would give to her according to her prayer, that she would give that son back to the Lord. And uh, Hannah did not know that even God had a need. Okay? Now you may think, how can God have a need? Let me tell you, God uses human beings like you and me. And during the time of uh, uh, Eli, the priest, the high priest, during the time of uh, the life of Hannah and Elkanah, uh, the Bible says to us that the word in Israel was rare. There was not much happening. It was dead. Okay? And Eli had two sons, but they were hopeless sons. Okay? They were not walking in the ways of the Lord. They were corrupt. Okay? And they used their sacrifices for themselves rather than give them to the Lord. So God had a need for a man that he could use in that situation where the Lord was rare in the land. Now, Hannah may not have known that because she was so overwhelmed by her own needs. But she decided that she would pray to God. And if God would uh, be able to answer her prayer, she would give to God back what he gives, gave to her. And that's exactly what she did. You know, eventually she became a mother. Okay, so God overcame the barrenness of her life, the unfruitfulness of her life. So God did a miracle, the miracle number one in her life that uh, what God already did in the life of Sarah, he also did in the life of Hannah. She was able to conceive and she was able to give birth. But then Hannah did not make a you know, simple uh, promise to God and then forgot about it. You know, that's what we sometimes do. We say sometimes, God, if you do this for me, then I will do that for you. And then we forget it. But uh, Hannah did not forget. Okay? She was in anguish and in grief. And God lifted her anguish. God lifted her grief. And he gave her a son. Okay? And she knew this was a miracle. And so she decided to give Samuel back to God. Samuel means God has heard. And yes, God has heard the prayer of, his, of her daughter, Hannah. So when the child had grown up to a certain uh, age, 
you know, Hannah made sure that uh, she was equipping him with everything that he needed. And then she took Samuel to Eli and she told him, remember, I'm this woman who prayed some time ago, you know, some years ago. And uh, I was praying for a son and this is the son I prayed for. And I made a vow, I made a promise that I will give this son back to God. And so she left him in the temple of God. Every year she would come and supply the needs of Samuel, but actually he was now in the house of the Lord. And very interesting, Samuel became an outstanding tool in the hands of God. Okay, so remember, sometimes you see your own need and you may not know that God also has a need that he wants to meet through you. Okay, so Hannah and God's, Hannah's need and God's need met and both problems were resolved. Okay, so in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 18, we read, but Samuel was ministering to the Lord, a boy wearing a linen effort. Each year his mother made him a little rope and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Wow. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So in other words, you know, God received the gift of Hannah, okay? She was very determined, okay? Even her husband could not, could not refuse because, you know, she made a pledge and a vow in the presence of God and she fulfilled that pledge, she fulfilled that vow. And so that son that she gave to the Lord, God could use him in a mighty way. And very interestingly, you know, this, this time which the Bible characterizes with the word was rare in the land became a very powerful uh, season. And the Bible tells us that whatever Samuel spoke, not one word fell onto the ground. So he spoke the word of God in a season where otherwise it was dry. So the need that God had was met. And the need that Hannah had was met too. And because she gave, God even gave much more back to her. Okay, she had sons and daughters. Because she was obedient, she was willing to trust the Lord. She had a, an unfruitful body, but God made it fruitful. What a mother. And, you know, we need such mothers today. You know, even if it looks like they don't have what it takes, but God can do all things through his mighty, powerful hand. Okay, let me take you to another mother. That is Ruth. Let me read from Ruth chapter 4 and verse 13. Now this story is long and I can only again just read a few verses. 
You know, uh, Ruth was a Moabite woman. She got married to an Israel, Israelite man. Okay, Naomi and her husband came to Moabite, the Moabite land because there was famine in Bethlehem where they came from. And so they, they decided to migrate and go to the land of Moab. And in the land of Moab, that man died, okay? And the two sons that he had and good marriage to Moabitan wives, the two sons also died. Now that was a, a, a great uh, calamity for the wife, <clears throat> Naomi, who lost her husband, who lost her sons. And then she had only these two ladies <coughs> who equally had no children. One was Orpha and one was Ruth. And so she lived with them for a while and eventually she realized, I'm wasting my time here. You know, this, this land of Moab has taken, my husband has taken my sons away from me. So I might as well go back to where I come from. To Bethlehem, the house of bread. Okay? Now there was a famine as the Bible says. And so, you know, they left uh, Bethlehem. But they should have hung in there like many others who waited for God to come through. And eventually God came through. But because they didn't wait, they met the calamity. So anyway... Naomi decided I will go back. And she told her daughters-in-law, listen, I'm, I'm going back to my home. And uh, please, you know, find your own place. Uh, go back to your own people so that you can, you know, uh, continue with your life. But Ruth says, wherever you go, I will go. Your God is my God. Where will, you will die, I will die. You know, she made a, a vow and a promise that was amazing. Okay, now Naomi, of course, said, I cannot give you anything. But Ruth made a choice to tie her future to her mother-in-law and to the people of Israel. Now, what she did not know, uh, because Ruth was not really deep in, in, in the uh, traditions of the Jewish nation, but what, did she not, that, what she did not know is that uh, actually, Naomi was a, a woman with a great heritage, okay? Because she came from the land of Bethlehem. And her husband was in the line of the Savior to come, okay? Now, uh, Ruth most probably had no clue about that. So Naomi decided to go back. And Opa uh, listened to the pleading of the mother-in-law and said, okay, bye-bye. She cried, she went back, and she disappeared. But Ruth said, no way, I'm going to go with you. Wherever you go, I will go. And so she went back to, uh, to or let me say, she didn't go back. She, she went with Naomi, who went back, okay? Naomi went back to her home. And uh, Naomi, I mean, uh, uh, Ruth, accompanied her. She didn't know what her future would be like. But Naomi knew the traditions of Israel well. 
And so she told her, listen, you are, you are a widow, and widows have the right to glean in the fields when there was a harvest, you know, uh, anything that fell on the ground, the widows were allowed to pick. And sometimes if you had good, uh, good uh, people who were harvesting, they even left things on, the, on purpose so that those who were underprivileged could gather them. And so she found herself in a field uh, that belonged to a man called Boaz. Now she didn't have a clue, she didn't know, that Boaz was actually from the same line than her father-in-law and her husband who had passed away. She had no clue about that. And she also had no clue that that man had the power to give her a great future. But she went to do her work very faithfully. You know, she was not really having a future in Israel because she was a Moabite woman, but she was faithful. She gathered for herself, and of course, she took care for her mother-in-law as well. And, you know, that was recognized as great kindness. Even Boaz, the owner of that land, recognized this woman is very kind for what she has done. And sometimes, you know, your kindness will get you noticed. So don't do things anyhow, but do things, you know, with a good spirit. So let me read from the book of Ruth, chapter 4, okay? To make that story, that long story short, I read from what has come out of it. Eventually, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Now, why that was possible? Because, you know, in the uh, tradition of the people of Israel, uh, if somebody like uh, Ruth lost her husband, she was supposed to be redeemed, okay? There was supposed to come a kinsman, a kinsman redeemer who would enable her to have a child so that the heritage that the one who has died would not be lost, okay? Now, she didn't know that. But Boaz was that kinsman redeemer who redeemed her from her unfruitfulness and from her widowhood and uh, bought her with a price, and eventually, got married to her. Now, listen to this. This is amazing, you know. Like I said, Opa cried, she left, and she disappeared. We never read from her anymore. But Ruth was faithful. Ruth was serving her mother-in-law. Ruth was going with her no matter what. Ruth was saying, your God is my God. And she served God. And verse 14 says, the women said to Naomi, that was the mother-in-law of Ruth, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. Okay? Naomi's life had become a burden because she lost her husband, she lost her son, she had no future, seemingly no future until the kinsman, the kinsman redeemer came. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. 
For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. In fact, you find the name of Ruth even in the New Testament in the book of Matthew chapter 1 where Ruth is one of the ancestors of Jesus Christ. Okay? The one who said, your God is my God. Your future is my future. Where you go, I will go. I will never leave you. She was rewarded in a very great way. She became a mother. She, she was married for 10 years with her husband, but she never had a son. But then she was redeemed through Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And she had not only an inheritance, but she became a very prominent person, even in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's understand that God is an amazing God. No weakness or no heritage, maybe the wrong heritage, will hinder God to accomplish his plan. In the natural, Hannah, or, or Ruth rather, did not have a part in the heritage of Israel. But she became so important that God decided that she would even be able to be mentioned as one of the ancestors of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? So she made her way into that genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. That decision to serve Naomi, a mother-in-law, that decision to align herself with the God of Israel made all the difference. And listen, this is so important for each and every one of us. You know, sometimes we may feel weak. Sometimes we may feel we have not got the right kind of uh, connections, not the right kind of heritage, not the right kind of uh, future, you know. But God is beyond all that. And God can do things in an amazing way. You know, humanly speaking, these were weak vessels. Whether Sarah, Hannah, or Ruth, these were vessels that, uh, you know, should not have been considered because all of them had uh, limitations that others did not have. And yet God chose the weak and reserved great glory for those human beings that were willing to be used in the hand of God Almighty. And that's what we need to emulate ourselves. Now let me go to another mother, okay? And that mother is Mary. We have already read, but the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with a child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, you must understand, if you were to be Mary, you know, and understood everything of your culture like Mary did, you would have been shocked. And Mary was shocked. 
Because anybody getting pregnant without a husband would be stoned to death. Okay? So that was, that was a death sentence, if you like. Okay? She was not married. And, and, of course, she was asking herself, how should this be? You know? Have you ever heard that a virgin is giving birth to a son? And yet, this is what Isaiah the prophet was saying 700, about 700 years earlier. I read that in the beginning. Let me read again. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Okay? Mary gave a sign. The virgin, okay? Mary was a virgin. Will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now let me read a little bit more from the book of Luke, chapter 1 and verse 13. 1, 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Praise the Lord. Isn't it great to find favor with God? Let me tell you, God wants to give favor to each and every one of us. Okay? People may look down on you, but God does not look down on you. God looks down to you with favor. And favor means grace. Okay? The, the word in the Old Testament, favor, is actually the word grace. Very powerfully. Okay? Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and call him his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, you know, how will this be? You know, this is a question that we very often have when God gives us a promise. How can this happen? How can this materialize? How can this uh, become possibility when it looks impossible? But God said, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the holy to be born, the holy one to be born will be called the Son of God. Now we must understand that the Bible talks about the first Adam and the second Adam. You know, the first Adam was the Adam who was created at the very beginning of uh, uh, creation. Okay, at human creation, he was the first human to be, to be made by God. And God blew his spirit into him and he became a living soul. He had no sin. But he was to be tested. You know, he was put in a paradise in a wonderful place and he needed to, uh, to you know, qualify himself. He needed to overcome the onslaught of the, of the enemy. Because uh, God said to him, you need to protect the garden. Okay, you need to protect your life. Okay? And that's what he didn't do. He failed. He gave up. Okay? When Satan came to him and uh, was offering him something that God had clearly forbidden, he gave in to the temptation. 
And that's why God could not use any man to bring a savior. Okay? Because any man would have seed that was uh, contaminated with sin. And that's why God needed to have a woman. Okay? That's why God needed to have somebody who would be able to receive divine seeds. Okay? Amazing. Think about it. You know, it's good to meditate upon that. You may say, well, but even, even uh, Eve was not really innocent in that whole affair. Yes, for sure. But God didn't tell Eve. God told Adam. Okay? So the, 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 the failure was Adam's failure, not Eve's failure. In fact, Adam should have protected Eve from the temptation of Satan. And he didn't do that. And so he fell. And of course, mankind alongside. But for now, the Savior to come, it could not be done by any seeds of a man. Okay? It needed the seeds, the holy, righteous seed of God that needed to come into a human body because the Savior had to be human. Okay? The Savior had to be like us, you know, feeling in every way like we, you know, uh, getting exposed to all the weaknesses, to all the challenges, to all the troubles of our world, you know, that is what was required. God could not have come himself and bought and fought the, 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 the fight against Satan. Of course, Satan would have said, that's not fair because you are God and uh, you cannot, you cannot fight on that. That's another level playing field. And so Jesus, the Savior, had to be human, had to become just like us, had to go through all the tests of life just like we are. And the Bible tells us that Jesus went through all the temptation just like we are going through. Okay? He felt the weakness of his body. You know, sometimes he was crying out in agony, with a loud voice, you can read that in the book of Hebrews chapter 5. You know, that was the reality. So Jesus was born just like every other human being. But the seed of uh, that which was born was not of a man, it was of God. Okay? And God decided to use a vessel a frail vessel, you know, a, a, a virgin. She was young. Probably she was just in her early 20s, maybe even in her late teens. We don't know exactly. But God used her in a mighty way. So God again accomplished what was humanly impossible. I mean, you can't have a human being born from, uh, from a virgin. That's not possible. Okay. Of course, some, sometimes you hear people are talking about miracle babies which have born in whatever way, but that is just an excuse because they don't want to tell you what they have done wrong. Okay, the only miracle baby was Christ. Amen? Because he was born of the seed of the Father on high. <clears throat> And he chose her before she could have children the natural way. Okay? We, we read in the Bible that 
Mary had other children together with Joseph, but Jesus was not one of them. He was born before that. Okay. And of course, she was instructed to give him the name Jesus or the name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And praise God, God has not forgotten about us. He has decided to come to us and to do a mighty work in our lives. So God decided to use a vessel, a weak vessel, like Mary. And remember, weak vessels are reserved for great glory. If you look at all of these uh, different women that we have been talking about, all of these different mothers, all of them had barriers, hindrances, that could not allow them to, you know, give birth. Okay, Sarah was barren for 90 years, and then she gave birth to a son, and out of that son, you know, there came the seed of Abraham, and the seed of Abraham we are, okay? We are the seed of Abraham in the spiritual sense because we are people of faith, or the nation of Israel, okay? We see Hannah, who gave birth to Samuel, who was making a powerful impact in the nation of Israel. We see Ruth, who became one of the ancestors of Jesus himself because of her faithfulness, when, in fact, she was not qualified whatsoever. And then we have Mary. Mary, a young lady, you know, a virgin, who was selected by God himself so that she would be able to bear a son who was called the son of the living God. So God desired to use those four women, weak vessels in human terms, but reserved for great glory. And let me tell you, those are examples for us. Those are meant to build our faith, our determination to trust God. Because what God could do in their lives, he can still do it even in our lives. Of course, as far as Mary is concerned, you cannot bring another savior into this world. Okay? But God can still use you in a mighty and powerful way. And God can still touch lives through you, just like he did through all of these vessels, these women, these weak, seemingly weak vessels in human understanding, but God reserved them for great glory. And that's what he does. You know, he's an expert in doing that. He wants to use each and every one of us to do the same. You don't have to be qualified with the, the, the powerful and the rich and the important in this world. God can use you the way you are. Praise God. He loves to use people, human beings, just like us. Okay? So I want to encourage you today on this day that we call Mother's Day, okay, where we want to honor our mothers. We want to thank God that God has given us mothers. And uh, there's not one of us here who doesn't have a mother. Okay, if you say I have had no mother, then you are a liar. <clears throat> because we all are here because we had a mother. Okay. And sometimes, you know, if you forget to give them honor, 
to give them our adoration, our thanks, because they have done a lot for us. I mean, just look at how mothers are taking care of their children, how they put them on their back, how they are uh, feeding them uh, in the most impossible situations. They will do all of that without com complaining, without arguing. And we as children, we sometimes forget how much sacrifice our mothers have brought for each and every one of us. So today we want to honor our mothers. <clears throat> and thank God, God has given us mothers in scripture. Okay? They seem to be vessels that, uh, you know, were too weak to be used. But God used them. God used them for his glory. And God wants to use each and every one of us for his own glory. May God bless you richly. And may God do something very remarkable and great in your life. Just like he has done it in those ladies' lives. And please, take time and study those lives of these four women. And of course, there are others. You know, there are many others in scripture. Those are there to encourage you. To tell you how much God has done for all of us. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord our God, we are so grateful. You have called us into this world. Lord, we have not come on our own decision. We have come into this world because, Lord, you wanted us to be here. You wanted us to live. And you wanted us to give you an opportunity to do great things in our lives. <clears throat> and Lord Jesus, when we look at these four women that we have been talking about today, we see an amazing and remarkable uh, sign of your kindness, your goodness, and your love that you use vessels that don't seem to be uh, important in this world, that don't seem to make it on their own, but Lord, you use them anyway. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray that each and every one of us experience how you desire to use us, how you want to bless us, how you want to make our lives count in this world, and not only in this time in which we are alive, but even beyond when we are able to bring your good news to people that can be able to testify about your mighty work. So, Lord Jesus, we are grateful that you are in our midst today. We thank you, Lord, for our work that you're doing in each and every one of our lives. And Lord Jesus, I pray that those who may not be fruitful in one way or the other, Lord, make them fruitful. Lord, those who may not have the right heritage, Lord, give them the blessings that is beyond heritage. Lord, those who may feel that they're having too much grief and and, 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 and abuse, Lord, let them see beyond that as you are going to meet them at the point of their need. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone may say, Amen. Amen. <laughs>